You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where our preview guest series continues, except we don't have anything to preview. We've got a bit of a review. It's the bye week, the Seahawks bye week, and we're joined by a perfect guest for that. Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic, Seattle, killing the content over there. I think if I'm going to read about the Seahawks, which I do quite a lot, I will check out Mike's articles because he gets all the scoops. Also, the Seahawks man-to-man podcast, again, a rival podcast for us, but I mean, it's a very good listen with him and Christopher Kidd. Also very welcoming to me when I was in Munich reporting on the Seahawks. Uh, Mike was a, a good guy and it was nice to have a chat. I think we talked about Derek Carr, Mike, but thanks so much for doing this and how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing good, doing good. Just woke up from a little bi-week nap. Uh, that was great. I'm enjoying some time away from uh, football a little bit. And I watched the Thursday night game, but even that I was like, it was just on a faint TV in the background of a restaurant I was at while I was at dinner with the with the homies. So yeah, the bye week is cool to kind of step back a little bit. It's not just the players that do it, you know, it's the, uh, the media too, sometimes. Absolutely. Much needed break. Uh, I know Ty is also covers the, the Mariners baseball. (laughs) So Ty, your bye week break hasn't really materialized. (laughs) I have, I have a, I have a six month bye week break because uh, unfortunately they, they mess around too much in September. So (laughs) Can, can, can I ask a Mariner question? Yeah, yeah. go for Since, it. So I've Absolutely. been kind of following the fifty-four percent things like that. Oh, the, yeah, that whole debacle. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah it feels if the fifty-four percent feels very similar to Pete Carroll's rule of fifty-three, where it's like based on some kind of rough math a little bit. Yeah, um, that I haven't heard Jerry yet explain. But what I am confused upon beyond the bad math potentially of that is it seems like there's just a blanket like the math part seems very blanket uh, over the sample instead of being relative to the other teams that are in your whatever whoever whatever right. it was in baseball it's divisions and conferences league or whatever yeah, you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. i'm confused Did, has Jerry, i haven't read everything i missed his i haven't read the uh listen to the brock and sock thing but has he mentioned more of the math part of this because it's confusing me so I'm a, I'm an absolute sicko when it comes to baseball and just like roster building in baseball. So I, for me, I I understood what he was saying. It, it was completely stupid to like say that in a public forum and when you're speaking to like the average fan. Though. But like that's just gonna go over most people's heads. But 
the 54 percent it's it's just it's what most good teams shoot for over a 10-year span if you win 54 percent of your games over a 10-year span i mean only five teams over the last decade have won 54 percent of their games and that's like the astros and the cardinals and the yankees like all the elite teams really um so like that like just on the surface it's it's good from a sustainability standpoint like you want to build a sustainable winner over a, over a decade period great <laughs> like that's awesome but like trying to sell that to like the average fan especially after the year that they had that's like that's not it dude <laughs> you're not so reading is, the room is at there all. something to 54 versus 53 or 55 or 57 it's, it's just like it, that's like the sweet spot where you can account for variance right like if you win above 54 percent, you're pretty much guaranteed to get into the postseason and if you're under that it's only really because like something probably went wrong right like injuries mounted up stuff like that so like st- yeah. you know because this baseball is so unpredictable right it's 162 game season it's six months etc 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 i could go on about this for like an hour no, yeah we don't have I've, <laughs> but, I've like, been kind of following that a little, little little bit like just very confused on why i don't even i don't even i'm not mad at jerry for saying it i was i was like all right i need you to back that up for me a little bit because it seems a little bit too the 10 year part also seems weird it's not like everyone signs a 10-year contract either so it's just like yeah anyway we can we can do seahawks but yeah that i've been trying to follow that too during the bye week as well it was like maddie knows how much he brought back the curtain and and you you saw something you weren't supposed to see and then now he's opened that can of worms you're like okay so that is actually quite interesting beyond being like for the average fan crazy but for him to then tell you you know the the nitty gritty of that it's suddenly like he it has take a, like three yeah. hours and he would tell you too much and things he's probably not allowed to tell you yeah the the best and worst thing about jerry depoto is that he's very very open but he gets into like baseball theory and all this stuff and it's like most of the people that are listening to this like have no clue what you're talking about right now and don't care like just straight up like don't care like that's like keep that to yourself <laughs> But yeah, pretty much. Yeah. If I'm a season ticket holder and I, you know, I, I'm going to spend all this money and, yeah, and dollars for Bud Lights or whatever at the stadium. It's yeah. like, nah, man, I want us to, I want us to shoot for a hundred percent, even yeah. if that's not totally feasible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So the Seahawks, and I like how you comped it to the, the rule of 53. Cause that was a, mm. another comment where that caused the, the, the funky math caused a massive, um, fan confusion um but mike where are the seahawks now so by week three and one has your opinion changed on them from the start of the season uh is there anything where you're like hmm that's interesting that they've they've done that my perspective suddenly is more positive or maybe negative <laughs> um yeah i thought that i didn't think the defense would kind of kind of mesh the way it has already like I, th- I thought it would take a little bit as it has in several Seahawks seasons in recent years like I thought it would just follow a trend there and after week one it looked like oh, man, they might do it again um but I just keep watching the, the the defensive film each week and checking the run numbers and I'm just kind of waiting for the clock to strike 12 and then I'm just like nah never mind like this is this is real deal and it's 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 one of those where you you definitely have to watch it versus just look at the numbers because every time I like tweet the numbers or something or put them in a story there's some comment to the effect of, well mike look who they played it's just like no nah, man it does those teams look bad because of how the seahawks are playing them like it's not just that the rams may stink at running the ball i actually don't know if the rams are good at it but it's like kyron and cam couldn't go anywhere because of how they were being played same thing with the panthers and like the giants look like they've never executed a successful run play ever you know in that in that monday night game so i didn't expect that to flip so fast i was very confident that it would flip eventually like i just knew i knew what bobby was going to bring beyond just being a good player just all last year he just kept coming up whether formally or informally like privately or on the record convos he just kept coming up about how important he was that's why when he resigned like well yeah no brainer um i just didn't think that would flip as fast and then the third down offense i thought would have would flip faster i was like all right you guys have been bad at this for so long through different quarterbacks, different coordinators. I was like, come on, eventually this has got to turn, at least maybe get some positive variance in your favor. And it just has not like I've watched, I've watched pretty, I think every third down drop back. I don't know if I've checked all the runs, but all the third down dropbacks, it just something wonky goes on nearly every time someone blows a block or 
uh, everyone's clumped together on the routes or someone drops a pass. Gino's inaccurate. It's just something different each time, which is it's got to be frustrating for them. It's frustrating to watch because it's one of those. I think I used a quote in my story where Jordan Brooks said, you get what you emphasize. He was talking about the run D and I was hearing Jordan. And I'm just like, yeah, you're right about your side of the ball. Cause those guys emphasize the hell out of that every week, every day in training camp, there was a third down red zone period, blitz period, third and shorts, third and mediums, third and logs. Uh, and they were decent at it for the most part. Um, I thought they would be much better at that. And no, they haven't even got close to average. I think right now, as we're talking they're the worst third down team in the league, maybe them in the jets, which is, you just don't want to be near the jets in anything offensively. And, you know, here they are again. Yep. So, you know, the vibe of this team is, is it seems like it's really changed, especially over the last like year and a half, two years. Um, basically, you know, since they made those really tough decisions last year, um, there's, you know, no quarterback resentment. Now teams just younger. Pete looks like he's having the time of his life right now. Like, how do you feel about all of that? Like, is there is there something to that? Like, are you noticing a, a significant change from like the 2021 team? I mean, it was obviously terrible in 2021, but like from those last few rust era teams to to now. Yeah, particularly from th- yeah the the rust the end of the rust run, which is getting kind of weird. And I know it because I was like the locker room was closed in 2020 and 2021, so it wasn't around those guys as much. Uh, but it was I was reporting on it and then asking those guys about it and then it just felt so weird just like being around some of those guys i remember one time uh they had a bad game defensively and like you could you could tell those guys just were so much out of answers one player asked me he's like dude what are you seeing up there man like give me something because like down here i it just looks like we're screwed um i'm paraphrasing but like it was it was not good particularly defensively um it just it was not coming together and it does seem like there's more trust in the the scheme. Like speaking just on defense right now, it seems like there's a lot more trust on that. Like you could see like Benson Mayoa knew he wasn't being used the right way. Like Carlos Dunlap was like just basically waiting to just bubble up and say, why do I keep dropping back? Um, you know, I think he eventually talked about it publicly after I think it was a two sack game against the Cardinals, maybe late in the late in the year of 2021 season. But like those guys were just really frustrated. We've seen some co- comments, I believe, from like Al Woods. Uh, and the Jets, you know, talked about like scheme stuff. Like it just, the belief wasn't totally there. You could tell certain guys didn't trust other guys on the defense to consistently do their job. Um, and so some of those guys aren't aren't here anymore. It just wasn't wasn't meshing. So the belief in one another is is back. Like when you look at, um, I, mean, I watched every part of that ten part documentary on the 2013 team, and I've I've known a lot of the stuff that was in there. Like I didn't really learn anything new, but it just reinforced that the, one of the strengths that they have was they believed in each other. They believed in each other within the structure of the defense and out of the structure of the defense. Like they knew if Earl just saw something and just took off, it was like, all right, cool. E's taking off, but he's probably right. Cause that's E. So I'll do, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll cover for him. However that looks, or if Cam did or Sherman or Bobby or Michael Bennett was really popular for that too. Like this ain't my gap, but I'm just going to go. And then he, he was right. Or he was offsides really not in between. Um, but they trusted Mike B to do that. Um, they all just believed in each other. They believed in the scheme and things like that. That seems to be back um, this season. Now, that part of that is just because, you know, they're playing well right now. Who knows? They go on a three-game losing streak. Maybe they're all yelling at each other. Um, so there, there is part of that. The rust stuff was always just really awkward, you know, for guys to be around, especially because you were, like, blending guys who had been there for some of this stuff earlier with all the new guys who were just like, man, I'm just here to play ball. Like, what's what do you, what's all this drama with? The quarterback and the the GM and the head coach, like it's 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 so fascinating how many people who aren't who are just watching the Seahawks from afar, you get here or you watch an interview and you're like, wait, they all didn't love Russ? I'm confused. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, he, he's Russell Wilson. They don't love Russ. He's the best quarterback you guys have ever had. What do you, what's going on? Um, and you have to sit down and explain. And it's like telling someone Santa's not real. It's like, oh, <laughs> wow, wow. I didn't I didn't realize it. So, yeah, I think when you just naturally, when you eliminate that part of it, just um, the how polarizing Russell was, um, you get you just get a different vibe. But last year, it just kind of didn't feel it was a weird space from the be in because they didn't really know who to turn to all the time when things got funky. 
Um, and then they were like embracing this lovable underdog thing, which was cool. Um, but this year feels more like like uh, legitimate. Like a lot of these guys in the room have chips on their shoulder, but they they don't consider themselves lovable underdogs. You know, like these guys consider themselves the best. Like uh, like a Kobe Bryant, uh, even I'll use him as an example. Like even a role player type guy, like considers himself one of the best. You know, so he's not like a lovable underdog. Geno Smith called himself a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback in like 2014. You know, he's not the lovable underdog, little engine that could type of thing. Doesn't really fit a lot of these guys' personalities. Chenna is the same way. Jay Reed's the same way. These guys, you know, reeking, you know, Spoon. I think Spoon at his last press conference was like, I want to, you know, prove myself right that I'm like one of the best corners in the game. Like all of these guys feel like they are the, the, the juggernaut in their story, you know, they're the hero in their own story, not like the guy, the guy with the the slingshot and the rock. So uh, I know he's who wins, but you guys get my point. Like, mm. it, the, so I think this is kind of matched a little bit more. These guys feel like they're just a bunch of badasses running through the opponents versus like, oh, we're this little engine that could go up the, the hill. So I think that that part is like on a psychological level, these guys are kind of where they belong instead of last year kind of manufacturing this chip on their shoulder because people thought they would stink. Right, that's super interesting. From afar, that's kind of the impression I'm getting too. Um, the the way that just the team are talking in press conferences and the questions you guys are asking them and and the way that they're responding and then out on the field and Geno Smith from afar again seeming like guys like him, right? Like it, it seems, and now he's the clear guy, like he's the consensus dude, at least in the locker room and I know there's, you know, his contract, they have outs if they want it. He's probably, I think, from a fan base wide perspective, not fully the the franchise yet. Um, although by the end of the season, from what we see, uh, it should yeah. hopefully happen. But um, yeah, yeah, I feel like last year was like the, the proof of concept. It worked. And now it's like this year, it's like, all right, let's go. Like, yeah, yeah, very much so. Although a lot of those guys really believed in Gino and Gino was like, he definitely was always one of the guys beforehand. Like there were, there wasn't that many dudes who were like, "Man, this seven stinks," <laughs> you know. Like it was just they just believed in him. Some of that was like guys just the version of Gino they were in their mind. You know, how sometimes you just have a vision of someone and it just stays that way. It never changes. Some of them were just like, man, "That's Gino from West Virginia, man. I know he can sling." Right? That's just kind of who he was to guys like Quandre, for example, who played him, mm. you know, against him in college. And I think they hung a lot of touchdowns on Texas when he played them. So like. If someone in Quandre's mind, it's like, that's Gino from West Virginia, dog. G can play, you know. And there were a lot of guys who just felt that way, if only for the college stuff, or maybe they played him once or like it with the Jets, but like it didn't, there wasn't this vision of like, I don't know, man, if we turn things over to, to G, this might go bad. Like, no one's actually said this to me, but I, man, I bet you if I really like put a polygraph on some of these guys, they probably wanted Gino to play in that Packers game in 2021, probably feeling that they were going to win. Like, that's how much they believed in him then. So that's yeah, why last year was just a bunch of, we're not surprised, guys. We've always known that Gino could sling it. It was always crazy to me, uh, the the belief that they had from the jump, like preseason. It was very clear that Gino, like DK pointed out, he'd been saying from the start that Gino was the guy, and, and he's proved it all so far. Uh, and then on the defense, interesting how a lot of the guys, kind of to your point, they've been talking about how dudes this year have been more bought in, and you saw... In previous years how how maybe that that wasn't the case the hearing you describe you know like grievances with the system is interesting how that kind of brings up guys saying they're more bought in this year um when did you when was your first year covering the team and like how does the vibe compare to then to now when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If my first year was 2017, I had just taken over for Steve Cohen at the Seattle PI. Steve was still at the PI, but he moved to like general assignment. He's an editor for us at The Athletic now. Um, so he was kind of walking me through things. I didn't travel at that time, which is a pretty significant thing. Because um, when guys see you on the road, it's like, 
I mean, some guys will still see me on the road and be like, oh, man, you travel too? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm here. And then by like week six, they're like used to seeing you, um, whether you bump into them at the hotel or like whatever, you know, because some writers stay at the team hotel. I don't anymore, but I used to. Um, so, yeah, th back then. So you guys know 2017 is like the beginning of the end, depending on who you are. Um, you know, that's when Cliff, uh, Cliff hurt his neck. And I think that might have been Mike B's last year here and Sherm's Achilles and all that's to come get me game from Earl uh, in Dallas uh, where yep. Bobby and Earl got into it. Yeah. I could lose in camp. It was just where well, they tried to trade Jeremy Lane and then he failed the physical. So they couldn't trade Jeremy Lane. Uh, like that was real. I know. I'll never forget that. It was really, really <laughs> awkward. Like when I, when I see players think of like uh, usually in the NBA is where you get a lot of guys beefing about how they find out when they get traded. Like Drew Holiday's wife just spoke about that. I think of Jeremy Lane's like dog, he got traded and then basically couldn't go. So, and then he had to just come back to the team and then play. They needed him because guys got hurt. It was super, super duper awkward. Uh, anyway, so back then, uh, I remember like when they traded for Sheldon, it was like, yo, this team's going to go back to the Super Bowl. This is what they got. And then by the end of the year, everyone got fired. Uh, they replaced uh, Bevel with Shoddy and all the other. I can't roll the coaching chains off the top of my head, but that was like a weird time to just for that to be my first year. Because I don't remember how many other people's first year that was. Like, all the people who are kind of here now have been around. Like, you know, Tim Booth at the AP and Bob Condota at the Times and Greg at the TNT and Curtis Crabtree and, you know, uh, all these guys, Masvita, they've all, Brady Henderson, they've all been around. They were, like, around for the Super Bowl teams and all this and all that. And, like, they all have stories about the Percy Hart when they found out about the Percy Harvin trade. Meanwhile, I just get here and the Legion of Boom just dies. Uh, <laughs> And so everything since then has been kind of weird seeing new guys come in, new guys go out, new guys have beef with other players, new guys have beef with the media, new guys have beef with their coaching staff or their position coaches or whatever, winning, losing, the massacre in Green Bay. And this, I'm talking about the playoff one this time. And they're like how frustrating the Cowboys loss was in that 2018 season. Like guys who played in that game were really pissed about the game plan that year. I was like, it's just seen so much. But I feel like back then, that first year, it, it was like still the core of like what was we know about the Seahawks Legion of Boom. And then everything since then has been like a really long transition, like a really long interlude on an album, just trying to get to whatever the next vibe is going to be. It was, it was never like solidified. Like it was always something weird each year. Not weird, but just something different. Like Russ and Bobby being there always kind of held a lot of stuff together, but like losing Earl in 2018 made some things different. And eventually uh, having guys replace, get drafted to replace KJ and then losing KJ and then losing Bobby. It all just, it all just got, got weird. But now it feels like there is an actual identity in now. And it's kind of what I mentioned earlier, where guys are not, this ain't the, this isn't Legion of Boom. We're the best in the world quite yet, but it is like, that's what we want to be. We're not, we're not the little, team that no one knows about you know what i'm saying this ain't appalachian state upset in michigan they're michigan in this they're michigan in their eyes if that makes sense so did you see marshawn's interview with uh shannon sharp i saw the nine minute clip because that got sent to me like three times um, <laughs> right, right, and yeah. then i saw marshawn's reaction to or his, his recollection of the the interception so i've so yeah. i don't i haven't seen the full thing i heard it's really long but i've seen yeah, those like two, two hours it seem to be the most to the clips that people want to talk about. So, so let's let's talk about the nine minute clip. What did you think about that? What did you think about his comments about Russ? I thought that was uh, everyone who sent it to me. Uh, I, a, I hadn't heard that story, uh, but B, my normal reply was like, "Man, that's a perfect illustration of why guys didn't link click with Russ." Because, like I said, yeah. if you there's people who there's my journalist homies or agents or um, coworkers are just like from afar, they're like, "Wait a minute." I just don't like Russ. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's just, and it's really hard to explain, but that story is a really good example because in a vacuum, calling somebody from a block number is not even that crazy. Like teammates have done way worse things to each other. They, they beat each other up. They've like messed mm -hmm. around with, you know, they all, they're all juggling some of the same chicks in a lot of cases. They've done that. They've owed each other money. They've backstabbed guys, like whatever. There's all these other things that are much worse than just like, yeah, I don't want this cat to have my Right. So but it's incredibly tone deaf. Um, and if you're Russ, you're like the one guy you sh like 
dude, these guys have all formed a bond over here. Yeah. Like the Legion of Boom and like 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 Marshawn says in there, he was cool with everybody. Like Hauschka is the homie to a lot of those guys. And that's the kicker, you know, John Ryan, Luke Wilson, like it wasn't even just a bunch of black guys who liked each other. They all just meshed. It really didn't. It was kind of like what a lot of people want America, their vision of it to be is everyone getting along no matter where they come from or what they look like. The Seahawks had kind of accomplished a little bit of that. It was like white guys from Canada or like farm boys from Iowa mixing with black dudes from Florida and from the South and from Compton. They all just kind of rocked. And then there was Russ over there kind of doing his his thing and he wasn't like he was doing a bunch of things wrong like cussing guys out or lying on guys or at least not to my knowledge he just was just he was just over there and being over there is fine when you're really good um and being being over there is like fine when you're not getting in the way of anything but like i there were um anyway to going to the Marshawn thing i think that was a really good illustration of it because it really is hard to explain i struggle with it all the time I actually just met with my with some people at the New York Times, you know, because they bought the athletic when I was out in New York. I met with some people on Monday, like I think two. I met with a couple of executives and some other people like one of the executives. One of the first questions was like, yeah, so what do you think about Russell Wilson? You know, like I get I get asked that quite a bit. I was yeah. just with the homie uh, two, two nights ago. It just asked me the same things like, hey, bro, like he's like, hey, can I ask you something? I was like, yeah, he's like, do you like Russ? <laughs> and it's just like. I, I, I'm indifferent on him. I don't like him. I don't dislike him. It doesn't really matter. Actually, this was yesterday. I got asked that. Um, I so, feel like that's probably probably partly at least because of that article you wrote. You know, right? I think it was right after the trade. Or no, this right was before. this was the the reason I got asked yesterday from the homie was because of the Marshawn thing. Because that's okay, been yeah. a big big deal. It's like, yo, what what's going on? What do you mean, guys? Didn't didn't rock i thought that was a really good example because russ is kind of that way i think in that wickersham story from 2017 mm. he details like russ making guys sign ndas i think to hang with him in suites i'd have to go back i'm pretty sure i read that uh, either that one or the si one from from bishop way back when or whoever wrote that one so he just it's it, it's not a surprise and it's not even that hard to see how russ doesn't mesh with some of those guys marshawn just gave a really 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 good example of yeah, how that's, that look that's a great example to me because it's not just like being your own cat like you know hanging around with different guys or, or just keeping yourself to yourself in, in in a respectful way it's just kind of sly like it's 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 kind of weird the block number thing um it goes beyond that and like you said that that team was a uh, like a beautiful marriage of all these different types of guys <laughs> and then it's not like Russ wouldn't have had a space within that, from my understanding, way from the outside. And, and Marshawn, in his um, beautiful way of communicating, like, and he just found the perfect way of communicating that, which is what Marshawn, yeah. he's a great communicator. Marshawn also kind of alluded, like he didn't outright say it, he kind of did. Uh, I, I don't think this is part of the, the clips that you saw, but I watched the whole interview and he kind of alluded to Pete trying to recreate what he had in 2013 with this current roster instead yeah, he said, of just kind of... what was interesting was he said uh he said that he thinks that to this day it's still impacting the seahawks and i don't know how like connected he is with this current like up-to-date iteration of the team but yeah. like not letting guys be you know the the best version of themselves which pete would always say is like his one goal so if, yeah. if pete heard marshall say that he'd probably find that um like, well, you said it within the context too of like being here, just re or being in Seattle recently for the whole Super Bowl get together thing. True, so, true. Yeah, but essentially so, not letting guys be the the best. You know, trying to seek like the next Michael Bennett, the next, uh, which you know, with LJ Collier, you, that was a big thing. They they <laughs> went to that immediately, but not letting guys just be the the best them, but like always trying to recreate that twenty thirteen thing, which we kind of spoke about already. But like, I mean. Do you think that's a, I mean, Marshall's saying that's interesting, but do you think that's a thing still? Or are they getting over that still? Like in terms of trying to just not like, hey, you're the next so-and-so instead of you yeah, just being you the are Michael you. Bennett. <laughs> yeah, like I think about the, my favorite like thought of or image of that is like uh, uh, in the scene in the movie Coach Carter where they interview the guy from the other team. Uh, I forget what the, like the good team, the one that they lost to at the end. They have a star player uh, and the the reporter asked him like how does it feel to be like the next lebron james and he says lebron james and he grabs the microphone and says i'm the only ty crane and then he just <laughs> ends the interview um it's I, it's like when i think of that it's that's what 
that's what it should be. I think DK Metcalf has spoken about that um, sometimes. Like he kind of alluded to that when he went off on the Eagles that one time because Jim Schwartz said he wasn't as like, man, you're not Megatron, but you're nice or something to that effect. And DK's right. like, man, I'm not the, I'm the, I'm, I'm the only DK Metcalf. That's all that that matters. And yeah, we've seen that over the years where you draft a Rasheem Green or you draft a Michael Bennett, and it's like, or excuse me, you draft LJ Collier. It's like, all right, cool. We need you to be like Mike B. Or even when they drafted Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin, like Pete sit them down and then show them Sherm film, which like showing them Sherm film is not like bad, but you know, it, it, everybody's <laughs> wired differently. Well, yeah, there's also that, but it's like everyone is wired a little differently. Um, I do think another issue that they had was just, well, one, they were just bad at drafting. I mean, a lot of those guys who they're trying to be the next somebody aren't, they're not even the best version of themselves now because half of them aren't in the league, you know? So there's, there's that, that was just part of it. But the other part, was that they kind of got away from, and this is natural when you pay guys, you got to got away from may the best man win type of vibes, you know, at each position. It was like, nah, the best man's not going to win because we just gave, this, this wouldn't have actually happen. We just gave Cam Chancellor $30 million. So you're actually not going to play over him if you're better than him. So just kind of live with that. Um, you just, when you have that type of environment, you can't really, how dare you say always compete when you're just playing, you know, you're playing the guys that you paid the most money or that you drafted the highest. You know, that was, that was an issue. Um, the other thing was a lot of those guys were in awe of some of those guys that they drafted too. Like they get there and it's like, yo, you're Cam Chancellor. It's like, Hey, snap out of it, kid. Like, and did you go take his job? You know, cause you're cheaper than him. And I don't know if they were saying <laughs> to him that way, but that was the effect <laughs> that they, that they wanted. And it was just like, okay, that didn't work. And now, like I said, none of those guys, are um, in the league, but I do I do think Pete always empowers guys to be themselves. But yeah, there was that that part hasn't changed. And he's always embraced the the individuality of of each guy from how they dress to how they talk to how they walk to how they play. Like all of that stuff is really important uh, for those guys. Um, but the the getting away from, like staying de getting detached from that Legion of Boom era, even schematically, like going away from some of that stuff, just like mm -hmm. it just needed to be its own thing. Like I said, these last few years, I really felt like it's a really long inter interlude in an album where it's just like, dude, just get to the next part. Like, why are we just humming? You know? Drop the next beat. You know? But they just needed time to to create it. And it feels like now it's it's been created. Where that creates uh, really, uh, results, excuse me, in winning, who, who knows? But it does feel like they have an identity and a vibe that kind of fits who they have, not just like fits who they have in relation to what they used to have, if that makes sense. I love how right. you mentioned schematically because that's, that's hearing you speak, that's what I was thinking. Like the fact that they've moved towards a system where they can't just go, hey, Michael Bennett did this. Um, like they have two guys doing what Michael Bennett tried to, you know, was able to do, uh, you know, having two outside linebackers all the time uh, playing slightly different coverages. They, the front office can't be like, hey, we drafted this next guy because, well, they, they, they'll still try to a bit, but they can't yeah. generally do it as much because they're running a different system. And I think, yeah, that's that's the exciting thing of like this era, if it does feel new. Uh, I think what you mentioned before, it's almost like they were shuffling chairs around on the deck when you've got Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson as your two like key uh, pieces in the, in the system. And now they they're they're kind of actually new like it's new new um even if bobby yeah. wagner's back and balling out so yeah i mean it, we all have comps like everyone comes out the draft and they do comps like that hasn't changed either but you can even see it now i'm only thinking about this now listen to some of these comps that pete brings up when someone asks hey have you ever had a player like this and his comps are not legion of boom characters now they're like guys from the patriots or guys he had with the bills and stuff like that guys from the, the niners in the 90s and he's finding in the 70s yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like nc state stuff like he's comping like yeah you know we had a guy like this like you guys probably don't even know but it's this guy you know what i mean yeah. like it's yeah. not Get on just, oh yeah he's like byron maxwell or something you know like no he's right he's getting away from those comps i don't know if he's doing that consciously or not but i i have noticed that a little bit over the years because i've had to go google these guys i'm 31 so i don't really know guys from the 1992 buffalo bills or something you know so i do have to go look them up but when he's saying it i'm like oh yeah okay maybe you are getting away from like okay i got a guy who i gotta find a guy who punches the ball like maxi i gotta find a guy who gets strip sacks like cliff gotta find a, a single high guy like earl like even though they have quandre to kind of replace that part you guys get what i'm saying like that those guys yeah. are just so unique uh that you're just not gonna recreate that energy 
you can't you gotta let whatever energy these guys have now just blossom you know as long as they're good players because if they're they're not they just get rid of them but you know if you got good players now so just let them be you know whoever they are there you go right so mike i'm conscious of the time and you've been very generous with it um but you, you you are a writer, and you wrote a piece on the the strengths, weaknesses, and questions after Seattle's impressive start. Given it is the bye week, uh, it's probably good enough to ask: Do you think they can fix those weaknesses, questions, negative surprises that you kind of highlighted in the article? We we touched a bit on the offense with third downs, which is like if you watch it, <laughs> there's so many things going wrong that it's hard to isolate an issue, and that's why they focus on the whole thing of third downs, right? Uh, you know, can they fix that? Can they fix the downfield passing? And can they fix the pass defense? By the way, guys, check out that article because it's worth a subscription alone. Yeah, the the downfield passing is like that. I kind of expected that to struggle. Like even before I just took this nap, before I hopped on with you guys, I was watching the Bengals um, against the Titans because I was like, how the hell they scored three points? Um, and then I looked and I'm like, oh, that's how. It's like teams have figured out that they just decided we will let Joe Mixon get his get his thing going here, here and there, you know, but we're not going to let Jamar Chase run by us. We're not going to let T Higgins run by us. And you can see some of that in the game that the Bengals won over the Rams, the Rams. Yeah. Monday night and teams are playing the Seahawks. Similarly, the Rams did actually a really good job of it where they were playing off. They were in their too high structure, but then they were also rolling the safety down to basically like, Hey, Tyler Lockett, if you run an over route, we are here. And it worked beautifully. And, um, I imagine I haven't watched a ton of the Chiefs. I imagine teams maybe play, uh, Chiefs may be a bad example now because of their roster, but like the the teams that have those explosive downfield threats, I would guess that the, all of their year to year numbers are probably down a little bit because teams have made that choice. We'll we'll trust our big boys up front um, to handle it if you if you run against us, particularly if you're going to run out of shotgun. Um, we're really just going to just trust our 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 light box to handle it, and then on third down we'll just unleash our guys now we can blitz you now we can play some man if we want the sky's the hell out of it particularly if it's third and long so that part i kind of saw coming um because guys teams were already playing off them last year the niners were playing off of them but now it's like all right you get to these third and manageable which they're getting a decent amount of them and now you're not getting there and after you drafted jsn i'm like man i thought this was gonna click because one thing I noticed um, last year watching a lot of their third downs, I was like, man, Gino's because Gino took a lot of sacks, as you guys know, last year. I was like, man, I can see why he is because all these routes are taking too long. Mm. Like he, he's like, it's third and eight. He's waiting for everybody to clear the sticks before it's like, all right, now you break. It's like, okay, that kind of makes sense in theory. But it's like I watch other teams on third and nine convert by throwing something that's seven yards and then just falling forward or just, you know, wiggling by getting the 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 nine yards so i think i thought the seahawks would maybe kind of implement some of that naturally create some yards after catch on their third downs and they're just not there's been geno's throwing a couple of these like out routes to jsn that have gone nowhere one of them almost got picked against the lions one of them got knocked down against the panthers and if he caught it it would have been short the one jsn dropped against the rams probably would have been short anyway um there's just his usage in particular on third down has stood out where it's like, it looks a lot of the same problems. Um, there seems like they only have two answers for third down. It's like protect better or run a screen. And it's like, well, <laughs> you can't count on the former all the ways. Cause as much as stone and Jake have done a really good job, they're still, you know, that Kayvon Thibodeau still had the two sacks for a reason, right? Like that, that happens. And whoever 51 is for the giants had some plays where he beat stone um, as well. So like, they, they can't always count on protect better because I guarantee you that's what they're saying there too. Like if we just hold up, guys will get open. And it also can't just be, all right, let's just run a screen. No, you guys suck at screens. Stop running that. So that's the main <laughs> one I'm I'm interested in seeing them fix. I do think there is a natural fix with, particularly with JSN, they can have him run more stuff that breaks just inward. He keeps running stuff that breaks out. And it's well, just- you know that, you know that Giants game- there was like a third and four where it looked like it was designed for JSN, um, but they got man coverage and they're they're running a man beater out of like a bunch look. Griff and I looked at it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and they all just run into each other, and and Jen's yeah, head, yeah, like, falls three guys and, four and it's like that was your that was your chance, man. And then Gino's back there. Uh, Forsyth <laughs> gets speed rushed off the edge, and he's like, Whoa, it's like poor old Gino, man. <laughs> yeah, I just I, yeah, I was just watching that. I just finished the offensive tape this morning, and yeah, I was like, I I, sc- I almost screenshotted and tweeted. It. I just didn't feel like it. I was like, yeah, there's three dudes standing within like three steps of each other, <laughs> like, nope. and then four <laughs> defenders right there, and you can tell Gino's probably like, oh, damn. I'm screwed. And then yeah, it gets even if even if Stone didn't get get beat that fast, Gino just had no JSN doesn't even throw the ball until or doesn't even turn around, I don't think, until Gino's uh getting wrapped up. So yeah, I just think it there's an easy fix there, I feel like, um, with those guys. I really think what they can get some teams on too is there was a play against the Lions last year. This is kind of obscure, but DK comes across the field from the left. So it goes from left to right and uh, everyone on the right side kind of just it looks like they're just running like dummy routes because they go they just get vertical and Gino hits DK coming across and DK drops it, but if he catches it, it looks like a natural like screen um, on the other side of the field. I probably have to go find it, but uh, it was I think some more stuff like that where you don't have to run a normal screen. You can kind of get creative with it to get guys natural yak. Kind of similar to what they just ran with Charbonnet against the Giants were like, all right, it doesn't look like a regular screen setup. Like if you're just studying films, like this is not how they usually look. Then you motion them, boom, get them. And that play got like nine yards on like first and 20, I think. Like there's there's some stuff they can do like that. The other thing I think, I don't know how how much they trust Ken with the bush protections, but Ken on third down is probably, would probably be really helpful too to get the ball in his hands. Maybe you play him and DJ together so DJ can handle the blitzes and you split Ken out. Because Ken's making a guy miss like every time he touches the ball, which is really not what you're not getting that from anyone other than DK. DK is running guys over, and that's it. Tyler gets down. JSN is like literally forced zero missed tackles um, this year, according to PFF. So I think Ken on third down, getting the ball in his hands would probably be another solution. Like all of this is really easy too. I'm not even getting into that much schematic stuff. It just seems like tweak a couple things here and there, and you'll get away from being as bad as the Jets on third down, which, again, that's just – you never want to be there with them on offense. They are a bad, they are a bad offense. Do not be lumped near the Jets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ty, have you got any other questions, or should we uh, – Yeah, um, just real quick. Um, what's the what's the best uh, road trip spot you've been to? Like, what, what's your favorite road trip to go on? Um, I'd have to rule out the – international because those are in a different bag because those were easily the two bags oh come on man. Um, we, we met I, yeah, I, well, yeah. It, I was trying I wanna, to bait you into saying germany yeah. here <laughs> yeah well london was really great too london was great i was in london for like a week um and it was really really fun and that was my first time out of the country other than going to toronto um so that was really cool uh the love from the people overseas was just so cool um to meet people because I'm from Seattle too. So like to meet someone from Scotland or something who's like a diehard Seahawks fan, I'm like, that's really dope to mm-hmm. see that. You know, like you like, dude, you are thousands and thousands of miles away, and you are just as locked in as people I went to middle school with. That's really cool is to see that from afar um, with the Seahawks. And you really, I don't know if that's the case with some of our other sports. I know it's probably not with the Kraken because they're so new, but like I don't know how many. I mean, I doubt it is with the Sonics, and I don't know how many people in like Spain are staying up to watch the Mariners. Well, um, even like sports, so, why NBA is so like star driven that I don't think yeah. if, if the Sonics came back, I don't think that would be a thing, you know? Yeah, so that that was really cool. The people who listen to our pod and like who know who I am as a writer when I went to G- Germany, that was. That was really cool to be like, oh man, yeah, no, nah, listen, or, oh yeah, or we like, hey, we met in London. I don't know if you remember, and it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, like that was so that was cool. Yeah. It was almost like a big family reunion um, in Germany. So that was that was really dope. Like those are a whole different bag because the fandom is just so different um, out there. The dedication to wake up at whatever time you got to wake up in your respective country to be to watch a Seahawks game that goes down to the wire because that's how Pete likes to play it. Like that's real. <laughs> dedication like dedication that you just don't get if you, even if you grew up here so those are those are the best uh in that regard domestically i'm trying to think i've i was just telling somebody i'm gonna cross off like nearly every stadium this year too which is wow which is dope i yeah, think that's awesome i think because i'll cross off baltimore cincinnati nashville and i just crossed off metlife so that's four right there 
And after that, the only remaining ones I haven't been to, I think would just be Kansas City, Jacksonville, and Tampa. I think those will be the last three. And so that's, I'm not going to cross. Oh, and uh, sorry. No, no, no. New England and then Buffalo. So a bunch of AFC. Yeah, that's tough. Teams too. Yeah, so I'm probably not going to go to any of those uh, anytime soon. But so I say domestically, I'm a big, I like Detroit. Detroit's cool. Um, Detroit just always has something to do um, down in that downtown area. Um, there's a lot of black people in Detroit, so that's always fun too, because like Seattle's, there's just not. Um, so as soon as you step off the plane in cities like Atlanta and Detroit, you're like, all right, cool. Like, everybody else is wearing rags too, or everybody else has like two tones dreadlocks too. It's, it's not just me. Uh, this is cool. This is like, I'm just kind of blending in versus like standing out, um, in some of these, some of these other cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, those are two that really stand out. Any Southern place, the food has always been great. Like Charlotte, Atlanta. New Orleans. I ate so good in New Orleans. I probably gained a full pound um, last year in that that game. That was just great. Houston. So we need a playoff uh, run from sports. Seattle, which is just in the south, or or also hits in in Detroit as well, and then and then we're good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not unrealistic. We could get like a wild card game at the AFC South winner, which that would could be Tampa, uh, Atlanta, or. Um, New Orleans, yeah, uh, probably won't New Orleans because their offense stinks, but yeah, could be possible. And then we get like a divisional round at Detroit, lovely, doable, doable, and then you know go down to the Bay, um, you know, or Philly. I like Philly too. Um, Philly had like a really cool shoe boutique down there where I got some twelve Jordan twelves. I've been I have been trying to get for a couple of years, and I was able to get them. I forget what the name of the spot is, or I shot them out. What which I'm also cheesesteaks are great there too. Uh, which tw- um, they're black and white. I don't, I don't know if they have a name, um, but black on the top, white on the bottom. Nice. Uh, those I was trying to get those for a little bit, and like the day before they played uh, Philly, I was able to go get a cheesesteak, go back to my hotel, then go back out and go buy those. So, what a day! And I was able to go to a Sixers game too. Actually, Dang. that was fun. Yeah, because their setup is cool. I don't know most teams can't do this, but like. I think everything is right in the same spot where the Flyers play, where the Phillies play, the Sixers and the Eagles. I think it's all like in the same little spot, like it was called City Center or something like it's like all right there. That's that's like ideal. Yeah, I wish I wish uh, more of them were like that because that was pretty, pretty dope. Yeah. So Philly, Philly, if that if that's how the playoff shook out, I'd be okay with that. And it takes a lot for me to be okay with going to Detroit in January. But I would be, I would be okay with it, if, uh, just because I like that city. Very quick, very quick. What's your uh, favorite pair of shoes right now? Ooh, right now. Uh, can I grab them? Yeah, yeah, grab them. We're live. I got, I got two. One sec. Show, show and tell. Show and tell. Yeah. All right, I got, I got two. I got deep in um, my bag. One of them is these Pumas. Um, oh, those are sick. So my, my brother gave me these because um, he said they made his feet look fat or something. Uh, so I've been wearing these quite a bit, um, getting a lot of attention from people. Like when I go out, um, like where I'm sit- sitting down, walking through locker rooms, people are like, oh, yeah, those is, those is cool. And then these are my probably my favorite shoe ever right here. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the wheel spoon. Yeah. 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 You can't. Really nice. I paid. I paid. A, a, They're in good condition pretty, as well. Do you wear yeah, them? I try to keep them. I try to keep them that way. Yeah, I yeah. wore them. Uh, just wore them yesterday when I remember I said I went to dinner with somebody. I went to. Uh, there you go. Wearing those, yeah, those are. They're my, the dinner shoes. Yeah, I've paid. Those are the Witherspoons are my. I, I don't feel comfortable saying how much, but it was way too much. Yeah, it's, but, it's yeah, okay. It was, it's okay. We understand. Yeah, I'd probably pay that. I, <laughs> I I live up to my bio. Let's put it that way. Like I will in my on my Twitter bio that says I buy expensive sneakers. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we were talking about um, the Red Octobers in Munich. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and Gino's I, I, I don't have those. Yo, know, yeah, I was like, Gino, bro, can you see? Because he says he has multiple. I'm like, come on. Multiple? Like, he, probably, he probably wears a bigger size than me. So probably Gino has matter, multiple of the Red Octobers? That's crazy. Yes, yes, man. Because I was like, can I sell them? He was like, nah, I'm like, you're killing me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because I would pay a pretty penny for some Red Octobers. like Because they, they're, they're just going... The price is just going up to the point where I can't get it yet. And I don't even feel bad about it because like I did a shoe story in 2019 and like Quentin Jefferson was even like, dog, I'm not paying what they cost right now. So like that made me feel good. I was like, if this dude's not 
then okay, I'm not tripping if I won't either. But yeah, those are probably my favorite too. I wore those Pumas in New York. Um, those were those were kind of cool, real comfy. They're kind of like fall colory, so it works, you know. So uh, yeah, shout out to my shout out to my brother Tay for giving me those. There you that's go. Like, that's All like. Right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Uh, listeners, you've got to, and watchers, you've got to check out Mike's latest article uh, on budding stars of the Seahawks. Enjoyed reading that. And I liked seeing, I don't want to spoil the whole article, but Jarek Reed on there. I love that. Got Jarek you, man. I, just, I didn't have room where I had to throw Bobo in there too, but yeah. Jarek yeah, but Reed he's, on not, he's not even a budding star. He's just a star. So That's <laughs> true. Superstar. More, more Bobo. Actually, you know what? After this, I'm going to tweet a Bobo clip. Why not? I have yeah. one. There. there you go. Yeah, he's I mean, my weekly dose of uh, passion. Man of the people. Man of the people. Mike Dugar. Yeah, man. Got to get that engagement, man, before Elon just completely ruins that site. Oh, my word. I mean, he, he's been ruining that site, but uh, yeah. Quite some time, yeah. Right. yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Do you have anything else you want to plug or? Uh, just always go check out our Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Man, we are, uh, me and Chris, we, we're down to one episode a week. This season, maybe we'll change that, but uh, that's where we're at right now. That's why our episodes have been longer. But yeah, we we basically have been doing just mailbags after every game, and we love the questions that we get because it just kind of represents the engagement that people have filled with our um, show to the point where I'm recognizing the names now, like not even the name, like the at name, Chris Orita. I'm like, oh, I know who that is. Like, what up? Like, you really care? Yeah. So yeah. Like, I, yeah. Seahawks man to man on YouTube, man the number two man. We're on Spotify, Apple, The Athletic, probably Google Podcasts too. I don't know. Wherever you get them, we're probably there. So, any hit the subscribe button on that. Um, appreciate the love and support on there always. There you go. I like how you've been putting uh, video clips on there occasionally as well uh, of like the game, I should say. So yeah, yeah. we we don't. I don't know if we're supposed to, but until we get that season decision, yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna keep. So I told Chris, I was like, keep, until they shut us down, let's just keep doing it, man. Keep yeah. us it, keep it moving, well, dude. That's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> there you go. They can't stop all of us. <laughs> right. That's honestly, I almost put one in my article, and we're not supposed to. I, I I didn't, but I was like, yeah, they can't. There's no way if I just slip this all 22 in of this pick six, like that they're going to find this one mention of it in the in the Seahawks article. It's like, ah, no, they're not. But I, I you got to you got to pick it. You got to pick and choose. You got to be selective with it. You know? Yeah. I'll <laughs> find maybe a moment. playoff game or something like that. I'll, I'll try it. But yeah, I figured on our YouTube channel, I was like, whatever, man, everybody. Yeah. There's so if you clip in, if you type in Seahawks film on YouTube, there's so much stuff or just NFL film. Like like Maddie said, they're not going to shut down all of us. So. Yeah. There you I go. Feel, I feel okay about it. I feel <laughs> like Brady Bollinger is going to get got before we do. So we'll, we'll be all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, listeners, please make sure you like the video, comment down below, subscribe, review five stars, follow Ty at Dane Gunzelus, follow me at Matty F. Brown, and follow Mike at Mike Dugar on X or whatever it is. All right. Thanks <laughs> very much, everyone. Have a good rest of your day, evening, night, morning, whatever. <laughs>